All right. Good evening, Grace Point. Welcome to everyone out there. Father, pray again for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding. I pray that what comes out of my heart, Lord, is from heaven, from you. I pray that we get insights into your kingdom and how you work. Lord, open our hearts and minds to the word. Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to us. Reveal our inheritance and the hope of your calling and the power that's available to us and even the authority of the believer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is telling parables here. In, uh, in verse 47, he says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beaches. They sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous, will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. I'll stop there for a minute. It's a very interesting story. There's you know, always metaphors in Jesus' parables. Jesus um, says that the kingdom of heaven is like someone casting a net into the sea, you know, and they're pulling fish out. Jesus told his early disciples, his apostles, he said to Peter specifically, follow me and I will make you a fisherman, a fisher of men, right? So obviously these fish are people. And notice this, they cast their net out and they're not discriminating. It's kind of like the wheat and the tares, right? They're not discriminating. They're just casting their net and they're bringing all these people into the kingdom. But notice he says some of the people being brought in to this boat are good and some are wicked, just like the tares. You know, it says in, in church, you might have a church full of people and uh, hopefully everyone's saved, but you might have people in the church that are tares. They're not really saved. He said, you're not going to know until the end of the age when God does the judging. He'll bring out the hidden things in our lives, in our hearts and he'll expose them. I even think of my life. I've had struggles in my life and temptations and things going on in my life that nobody would have known about because they were all in my heart. I wasn't doing anything wrong overtly, but I was having temptations and battles. Who would know about it? The Lord has showed me um, how he really tests not just our conduct in the kingdom. He tests our attitudes and our thoughts. For example... The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you have heard it said, talking about the law of Moses, said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you remember that? He says, but I say to you, and when he does that, he's showing that he's greater than the law. He's greater than the law. What Jesus says is greater. He says, but I say to you, you can't even look at a woman with desire in your heart lust in your heart for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So the Lord isn't just only interested in what you actually do. He's interested in your thoughts, your intentions, and your motives. And certainly, and I don't want to go down this road too, too far, it's distasteful, but certainly like pornography, you know, you've got it in your heart. You're a married man and you're looking at that stuff. You've got to get that stuff out of your heart. 
you've got to let the Lord get that out of your heart because you'll be judged for it just like you committed adultery because it's in your heart. And you can't see when you're bringing those fish in, the wicked and the, the good fish and the wicked fish. So, and like I said, I've had testings. You know, if you have, uh, you're a married man and you're having affection for somebody else, no one can see that, but God sees it. And he'll test and try your, Bible says, your reins, your thoughts, your intentions. And you have to get before God and allow him to clean that stuff out. You don't want to be, um, you know, I know we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. I know that the Lord looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ and we're saved by that grace. But, and, and I've wondered here, and I want to talk about hell a little bit. I've wondered here sometimes if this furnace of fire, if he's talking about hell. I believe in hell and I'm going to talk about that. But I've wondered sometimes if, uh, like at the wedding supper of the Lamb, if some people, some Christians won't be invited to it, that they're saved. Paul talks about being saved so as by fire. It's in Corinthians. You ever read that? He says some people will be saved. It's in there. They'll be saved by the skin of their teeth, so as by fire. In other words, they just escaped hell by the skin of their teeth, right? By, because they're saved by God's grace through faith, but they never bring forth fruit. They don't live right. And I've wondered sometimes if they're not going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb, they'll be outside. They'll be weeping, regret, and gnashing of teeth. And so I've wondered sometimes if this, and I'm not dogmatic on it because I really don't know. I always pray for insight on it. So I have this thought that this could be people that are in the kingdom. They're pulled in, but they never allow the Lord to work what he wants to in their lives. And they're going to have weeping and gnashing of teeth. But there is language here, you know, this language where he talks about being thrown into a furnace of fire where there's weeping. So this could also be hell. People that really aren't saved. They never surrender. They never follow Jesus. And so they're going to wind up in hell. Certainly, if you're not saved by grace through faith, you never surrender to Jesus, you're going to spend eternity separated from God. I just saw someone post something on um, Facebook about this recently, and it just jumped at me just how serious it is, the consequences of rejecting Jesus. I'm asking you as a believer Anybody that's listening to me, the one or two people <laughs> or the handful of people that ever listen to this, do you really believe in hell? I think about it. What it would be like to be separated from God eternally. And then on top of that, to be in a place of torment, because the Bible calls hell a place of torment. The doctrine of hell, to me, is just established in the Bible. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus, and Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, and that um, Lazarus is uh, in Abraham's bosom, rather, and the rich man is in hell, Hades being tormented. The Bible talks about uh, the lake of fire and people being thrown for eternity into the lake of fire. And the word says that that lake of fire was not created for men and women. It was actually created for the devil and his angels. 
But man rebelled against God, turned his back against God. And so man is being cast in to the lake of fire with the devil. There is a hell. And that's where people go that are eternally separated from God. And everyone has a choice whether they're going to serve God or they're going to serve the devil. Whether they're going to walk in their flesh, your flesh, I taught this Sunday, your flesh is under a curse. The day that man sinned, his relationship with God was severed, man became sin, and his flesh is under a curse. It's only the grace of God that we, any of us get saved. I think this hell is a very serious topic. I think it's so stark and so bleak and so unattractive that many people just, they don't, even Christians, they either ignore it or they choose not to believe in it. Like they just don't even believe that God is love. He wouldn't send people to hell. But the doctrine of hell is in the Bible. Um, You don't want to be there. So bottom line, if you're a Christian, you don't want to be outside missing the marriage supper of the Lamb where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you're lost and you're not washed by the blood of Jesus or you're backslidden and you've turned your back on God, you don't want to spend an eternity separated from God in a place of torment. I don't think we understand how wicked we are apart from the saving grace of Jesus. I get it for me. I'm going to wrap up here. I'm not going to ramble on and on here. I get it for me. I know how bad I've been. I know the things I've done. I know my selfishness. I know without the saving grace of Jesus and the things I was doing or the things I'm, even even as a Christian, I've had my my backslidings and times where I've walked away. I know that there is no way that I deserve on my own works to go to heaven. I know that. I don't think I'm a good person apart from the saving grace of Jesus. I'm under no illusion about myself about who I am and my sinful nature apart from Jesus Christ. I know I'm not a good person. I know I'm wicked. It took God to save me. But some people, like my wife to me, seems like she's such a good person. I just can't imagine her doing uh, bad things. And other people, they seem like such good people. But the Bible says that there's none righteous. No, not one. It says all of us are altogether turned away and we're unprofitable, uh, we're separated from God. That's in Romans 3. Says, um, In fact, go there real quick. I want to read that, then I'm going to flip over to Revelation, then I'll, I'll end this segment. Listen to what it says about mankind. Verse 10 of Romans 3, it is written, there is none righteous, not one. Not my wife, not any good person, not, you know, not Barack Obama, right? Not, I'm picking on Brock. I mean, a lot of people like it. Not anybody. There's no one that's righteous, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. They have all turned aside. Together, they become useless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You, you hear that? This is the word of God. There's no one that does good, not even one. That's why Jesus says, why do you call me good? To me, he's saying, do you think I'm God? Because only God is good, right? No one does good, only God. That's what he said. Well, he is God, and he was doing good. Their throat is an open grave, and with their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of snakes is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. 
Destruction and misery are in their path. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under law, that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. Not one person does good. We're all together unprofitable. Every human being apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, what he did for us at that cross, deserves an eternity in hell. And I can speak from my own subjective experience. I know that's true in my case. I deserve hell by my behavior, my, the intentions of my heart. And it's only by the grace of God that I am saved. And thank God for Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read one more scripture, then I'm going to tie this up. It'll be done. Um, Got to make sure I can find it here. Okay. Chapter 22, verse 12 of Revelation. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to render to every person, every man, according to what he has done. See that? We're only going to get what we deserve, what we've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end. Or if we're saved by grace through faith, we're going to get what Jesus deserves. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that's your works, that they may have a right to eat of the tree of life and may enter into the city. Outside the gates, outside the city are dogs. That's people without a covenant. That's uh, the Jews called Gentiles dogs. They were outside of the kingdom. And sorcerers, immoral persons, murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices a lie. And he says in the word that they will be cast into a lake of fire. Chapter 20, um, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. Pretty serious, isn't it? If you're not right with God... You're backslidden. You're not serving God. The word says you're going to be judged according to your deeds, your works. Those of us that are saved by grace through faith, we're washed in, in the blood, we're forgiven. I do not believe that a person can backslide and turn away from God. And because you prayed a prayer and got saved 20 years ago, that doesn't guarantee you heaven. It, the Bible says those that continue in the word of God. The Bible says if you continue. We have to continue believing and continue seeking God. It's not like we're kicked in and out of the kingdom. We are saved forever eternally. But you can choose to turn your back on God. And you'll be judged accordingly. So it's a sober message, folks. There is a heaven and a hell. There is eternal life. Make sure that you're following Jesus. All right, that's it.